What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, what up, Tanner? This is Chewy, host of Screaming Chewy Show. And um, hey, thank you very much for your feedback, man. Appreciate it. And I'm really glad you liked the episode. And um, that's a great fucking idea, man. <laughs> Try and like chase a chicken and corral it or ring toss type of deal, right? Toss a ring and try and get on the chicken's neck or some shit. <laughs> it's a little bit, it, it might be borderline animal cruelty, but maybe not. Maybe, you know, it could be fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, just letting you know, thank you for the feedback. I appreciate it. And um, hey, back at you, bro. Great job on your podcast and keep up the good work, man. I actually listen weekly, you know, whenever you drop new episodes. So, yeah, keep up the good work, man. Thanks. Welcome to Monster Legend Podcast. I'm your host Tanner, and today, Monday, eleventh, uh, we have a special guest, Honic. Um, what are you up to, man? What's going on? Uh, not much. Just you know, quarantine until probably September. You know, knock on wood of 2021. I suppose. I don't know anymore. <laughs> The world made sense an hour ago, so that's pretty much it. Yeah, I hear that. I was uh, my work. We just started have to wear a mask all the time because yeah. um, they found out like even if you don't have symptoms, you still might have it. Yeah, we're still wearing masks, checking temperatures, you know. But I'm going every other weekend for a while, so I'll know a little bit more in a few months. But yeah, we're we're in a county right now where we're probably going to be this way until probably September, December. Until things go back to phase four. And and even though with that. Yeah, they start opening up um restaurants in my city. Yeah, and, same uh, here, but I'm not I'm not going back anytime soon. I'm doing takeout for a while. Yeah. I'm not I'm not trusting anything. That's pretty good. Some good takeout places around there. Yeah. yeah we got a lot of deli around here in Florida. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where in Florida are you from? I'm in uh, West Palm. West Palm? Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to live in Sarasota. Yeah, that's farther up north. That's, yeah. I think, uh, central northern Florida. Yeah. By the handle. So, uh, today's New Hampshire. Um, you ever been to New Hampshire? Not yet. I'm not a pastor there, going to Massachusetts. I haven't really lived there myself. Okay. Sounds um, good. Very small snake. 
What you know about yeah. um? What you know about um cryptics? Cryptics? Um, you mean like as in cryptics zoology? Yeah. Oh well, it all goes back to the eighties. You know, I was watching a lot of horror films because horror films in the eighties went great together at the time of the practical effects and whatnot, and. Back in the 80s when you had Sweeps Week, and it had more in the 80s than you do now, but now with the virus, they're sort of, you know, they they still have Sweeps Week, but it's not what it used to be in the 80s and 90s. But um, on regular broadcast television, not cable, they would have, uh, especially on Fox and ABC, they would have shows like In Search Of. Fox would start to really kill it, though with these cryptic zoology series. And, uh, you know, it started off with every week, it was always about Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster because those were the two biggest ones. Eventually, you'd bring in, and, and the Yeti as well, but eventually you would start to bring in other creatures and you'd have more paranormal shows and eventually they find their way on Travel Channel and... Um, the History Channel and A&E Biography when you'd have the Haunted History shows. For a while in the early 2000s, Travel Channel had a lot of the um, world's scariest destinations. They, they, they would do this during Halloween week, which would be uh, right before October 31st. So they, they started like at the beginning of the week and ended on Halloween and they would just what we call now binge watching, they show a marathon of um, destinations that had the Jersey Devil and the Devil's Tree and all these other um, paranormal, you know, I shouldn't say unexplanations because that doesn't make any sense, but pretty much all this paranormal phenomenon. That makes more sense and more science. And the problem is, unfortunately, in mid-2000, you'd have Ghost Hunters, and I hated that show because that was more reality-based. And the problem with Ghost Hunters was they would always show it in the um, – oh, God, the, the, the um, Jurassic Park with the goggles, the night vision. That's what it was. Night, My brain locked up. They would, they would do it night vision, and they'd never really show anything. They just – everything would be in night vision. They'd be in a, in a famous haunted house. And all of a sudden, a noise would, you know, there'd be banging like 50 feet away or something. They go, oh, my God, what's that? And, you know, they bleep out the cursing. You never really got anything out of it. And it got a little bit more pathetic when they tried to bring this back on ABC of all places. Really pathetic. I don't remember the name of the show, but during the sweeps week, I think, of 2006 or seven. ABC decided that because Ghost Hunters is doing well, we'll do it on ABC. And what they pretty much did was they would go to destinations where it had the Jersey Devil and they had the Devil's Tree. And they also went to a graveyard because that was a big thing. They, you know, they go to graveyards and they would claim to have a psychic and they just go out to a tombstone and all the lights would go off and they say, okay, if this person's here, you know, touch my, but the lights are off. And they would claim they'd been touched by something. And you never knew how many people were in the group because everything was so dimly lit that it was pretty much pathetic. I, um, I've i been to a couple famous haunted places. I've been to Queen Mary. I've been to Fort Mifflin. I've been to um, uh, 
state penitentiary in Pennsylvania, the closed down one. I, I, I mean, I've been to, there's even a few places here in Florida that um, it's a little bit further up north by Orlando and um, Tallahassee as well. But there's also, in Orlando, there was a famous, back then they were called asylums up until I think the 70s. But there was one that was housing children, and apparently by the playground at this asylum, it's supposed to be haunted. I tried going, but unfortunately it was closed off. There were ways to get there. I couldn't find it, and I tried to uh, video record it. But um, during my time, I plan to give certain stories of what I've experienced. And unfortunately, as for cryptics go, no, I really – I mean I used to live in New York for a while, as you can tell by the accent – I did go to Jersey. I did read a lot about this Jersey Devil, and there have been a couple found footage movies about it, which there's no really credibility about it. I know that I know that was redundant, but it's pretty much supposed to be a goat-like demon that is in different parts of Jersey. Some parts it's it's northern Jersey, some parts it's southern Jersey. It always seems, unfortunately, to be in a spot where it's in the middle of nowhere, where it, it, it's not going to be in the city, of course, but it's going to be somewhere, you know, in the suburbs, or it's going to be out in the middle of a cornfield, if you can believe it. So I have traveled, but unfortunately, I don't have any experiences with cryptics other than watching it on TV. So, I mean, I've been to upstate New York. There have been so many, you know, confirmed signs of Bigfoot. Like, he's always he's always in New York, or he's always in California, or he's in the Ozarks, or he's in Seattle, Washington, or he's in Oregon. But nobody... And there's always the same kind of ape-like roar, but nobody's come across it. And Loch Ness Monster, we could talk about the death. I know there was a mockumentary about it, but um, no, I haven't. Other than that, though, that, that's that been pretty much it on my tail end. It's been pretty much my experience as well. I've like, you know, I haven't seen nothing myself, but like you said, I watched all these cryptid shows on like History Channel or whatever. Science. Those like bullcrap shows like hear a bump in the night, hear a bump in the dark and like they freak out. I think it's a ghost or whatever. And they out there in the woods, like finding Bigfoot. And they're out there in the woods all night that um night vision camera and they're just making noises and you never see nothing. Well, as for the bumps in the night, unfortunately, that's what are Moy had said it best when he hosted In Search Of, saying that there's always a rational explanation for the bumps. That's usually foundation settling. Yeah. As for in the woods, unfortunately, listen, I I lived in the country for a while in, in Pennsylvania, and, and I'm talking about in the middle of nowhere. And I can tell you right now, there are so many different animals you wouldn't expect to be there. Anything from a raccoon to a deer. And they're fast. And, you know, they have hooves and, and, and they're very fast and they'll, and they'll rustle in the bushes and they're more scared. It's not, a, you know, they're more scared of you than you are of them, surprisingly. And you really have to be, unless you're invading the territory or, or threatening their young or depending on the, you know, the animal, they're, they're, they're going to scare you away. Even here in Florida, you know, you come across an alligator in real life, um, 
their brain is the size of a walnut. They they don't know how big and powerful they really are, and unless it's something supernatural, they're going to get as far away from you as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And I can be honest with you because one day when I was walking through Wakahachi wetlands, and there are these open canals, and all of a sudden, five feet away from me is this giant six foot gator. And I was told, you know, don't run because it'll chase you. And, you know, you got to zigzag because it'll trip you with its tail. So I tried to turn around. And next thing I know, it saw me. And it actually, instead of coming after me, it jumped into the water and swam away. That's pretty much what it does. So anything that you try to, their first instinct, it's going to be a wild animal. And if you startle it, it's going to get scared and its first instinct it's going to get away from you before you want to get away from it so usually 99.9 percent of the time though it's really just you know what's ever in the forest at the time or or the country so sadly it's it's the end of storytelling but yeah that that was pretty much it um tell me more about this um podcast you have about batman well, it's not really so much about Batman, but Hunnic Ween, well, actually it was Hunnic Outcast. Yeah. Uh, the name Hunnic, uh, I've been asked this a few times, actually. In 97, I came across um, a group of college kids who were interested in the goth lifestyle. So, And I was working on a publication at the time for my local college, and it was following through. So they were like, can you do something for us? I'm like, okay, sure. So... I used the thesaurus on WordPerfect and I just typed in Gotham because I wanted to come up with a better name, something that would jump off the page. To this day, I don't know if it's come up since, but the word Hunna came out. So I used that. And Outcast is pretty much, you know, what I felt like and what they felt like. So it was originally Hunnic Outcast. And when we parted ways, I just decided to keep the name and not pluralize it. And I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do much with the publication because it kind of fell through. And there was this gothic bar in, in Staten Island, New York, that kind of folded. So I didn't know what you know what to do next. So when podcasting started to become a big deal, I was like, okay, I can do something with it. But I don't know what yet because everybody's like doing the same thing because now everybody's got a microphone and everybody can do a show and – you know, same thing with YouTube. So originally I was doing it on Godzilla movies and nobody was really interested. So I figured, okay, I don't want to talk about one thing because I'm pretty much boring people. So I'll do a variety. So I eventually decided to call it Hunnic Ween, which was like a grab bag type of thing where I was just pretty much discussing horror theme related topics because I had a, I was a fan of horror movies as well. But I was a fan of Batman comics and I was a fan of Marvel comics and certain things. So I just decided to call it Hunnic Ween as well because in the month of October, myself and my friends, we would talk about you know certain horror films. And I eventually rebranded it as that. The Batman comics were very easy because we would just round table and we didn't talk about much. I think the closest thing we've talked about so far has been um, – we talked about Under the Red Hood. We did talk about Year One. We did talk about um, Dark Knight Rises. Um, we did talk about the Arkham games because that's what pretty much got us together about doing this because we, we were talking about Arkham Knight, which came out, and that's when I rebranded the podcast a year later. And then 
that that was pretty much it. So we've only talked about a few of the Batman comics. We really haven't uh, scratched the surface. And every now and then we do want to. I want to talk about the cult because one of my favorite Batman stories. But I've guessed it on a few podcasts, Geekcast Radio. I've been asked my top five Batmans for the graphic novel wise. I always go with Killing Joke, but. I know I put Dark Knight Rises in there somewhere, and I now and then I try to put the cult in because it's one of those Batman comics that nobody really talks about anymore. It was an 80s book, but I haven't really had the show for a few years. Things happen, schedules happen, so pretty much I just freelance and, you know, anybody needs me for a show, I'm there, and, and it's... Since I do a lot of variety stuff and people ask me what I know, that's where I pretty much show up now. Um, what do you think of Arkham? Was it Arkham City? Well, the Arkham City game, God, you know, I remember when the first Batman video game came out for the Nintendo and I thought, okay, but it's damn hard. And then you had the others for the home consoles that were pretty hard. And then... Genesis had a very underrated one because it was those console wars. You had Super Nintendo and Genesis, and I eventually got them both. And I remember that for a while, Nintendo and Genesis were doing something interesting. Like They would have different publishers and different games. Like Adventures of Batman and Robin for the Super Nintendo would be, um, I guess, an action venture, while the one for the Genesis would be like the side-scrolling beat-em-up type of thing. And they were great. I still have them. But as soon as I found out when the... That... Yeah, it was Asylum that came out. It was a big thing because Paul yeah. Dean would be writing for it. And Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy writers in their roles and everything. And I fell in love with that game. And I think I was up until the wee hours of the morning. And I beat that game in three days. I didn't do 100% completion. But I did enough where I just could not put that controller down. It's like you read in, in comments that... People die from playing video games because, yeah, because you're sitting there and you're not getting, you know, blood circulating to your heart because you're in a sitting position, you're not standing or sitting. You know, you have to, if you sit for too long, you're cutting off the circulation from your legs, you know, yeah. from the, you know. So I almost felt like I was that guy, but I love that game. And then I found out about City, and City, I actually ended up going to a, um, premiere type of party for it like if you pre-ordered the game you can go to your GameStop and get it at midnight and I think there was a select few people that went and they had trivia contests and I pretty much walked out with everything I, instead of I walked out with a copy of the game a cardboard cutout of Joker because, you know advertising at GameStop I, I pretty much won everything from that trivia contest but that was another one that I just ended up playing until like the wee hours of the morning not 100% completion but I just could not put that game down Night on the other hand um, huh. it wasn't had- the, yeah Night wasn't the same type of party and the game I took it longer yeah it had, pro- it had problems coming out I remember yeah well the game I ended up getting for PlayStation 4 but that's when I felt like more games were being cinematic movies than games yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't bad. I mean, you had Professor Pig in it, which he's an interesting character. I didn't think they would ever put him in a Batman game ever, or water him down, and 
they didn't. Hamill was back as Joker, which I was surprised about because I had no idea he was coming back. He said he wasn't doing it anymore, but lo and behold, you know, mm-hmm. and reprised it for Killing Joke, the movie, which I did not enjoy, but I've discussed that. Yeah. Not the book, the movie, you know. Yeah, the movie but, was weird. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I just remember playing that game and saying it's not the same as City or Asylum because it's more cinematic and they depend so much on that Batmobile and just destroying drones. And I'm like, well, the other one, you acted like a detective. And it was kind of, you know, this 3D museum of Arkham. Finest. So I just, I could not get into Night as much. And then there was Origins, which I do enjoy. Origins is not a bad game. But a lot of people don't like it. I, it's an acquired taste. But for me, it felt a lot better. It, it, it was a nice little prequel. You know, it, it kind of because it was like this one year you weren't because I think it was like every two years you were getting a Batman game. You like you got 2009 then 2011 and 2013. We weren't going to get an Arkham game. So it was like, yeah, it was every two years. So I was like, oh, man, but we got Origins and I was happy with it. So that was pretty much it. But no, I think out of all of them, the best was probably City. Yeah, the City was like. You really felt like Batman playing that game. Yeah, City City was probably one of the more underrated. Asylum I go back to because it just it, it, it reminds me of um Living Hell. Not no, not Living Hell, the other Arkham book. Well Living Hell as well. But there was another Arkham book that was out as well with um Batman having to go in through the asylum because Joker um captured the inmates and we find out the origins of, of um Arkham. So that was also a good one. What do you think about Gotham? You know, I watched Gotham for about a season and a half, and I just found it to be, I'm so over prequels. I just, yeah, I, 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 I loved Robin Ward Taylor. I thought he was an excellent penguin. I loved the guy who played Riddler, but it, I just felt like, okay, they're going to get rid of the mafia. So, the supervillains or the you know Arkham's criminally insane can rise up like they're supposed to. It took way too long. Two Face kind of came and went, and Ivy. I know that she was a kid in one season. And they made her, they recast her as you know this vixen, which I guess kind of makes sense, but it didn't work too well. Catwoman was okay to a point, or, or at least their version of it. And same thing with the young Bruce. But then they were trying to shove in Court of Owls, and they were trying to shove in Pig, and they were trying to shove in Freeze, and they were trying to shove in Bane, and I just, I I mean, I know they were trying to make something out of Gordon, and they were repackaging Barbara Keene and making her Harley Quinn, and then repackaging Joker, because you gotta have Joker, and they kept, like, they brought in this character, Jerome, The game is on origin. I was like, okay, fine, you know, whatever. They kill him, but then they bring him back. And then he has a twin brother. And I was just like, you know what? I'm tired. And I just, I I, I watched a series finale because I forgot it was still on. And I was like, okay, that's Gotham for you. And and I don't think anybody's really complained since. Or or really, you know, pardon the pun, batted an eye. But... No, I was not a fan of... I, I gave up on Gotham after 
the first three episodes of season two. I just, I think it was around the time that Jim got framed by Riddler because I think that was season two, and he was in the, and then Falcone got him out somehow, and yeah, I, I just was like, I was done. Yeah, you got really like, like it make no sense because like, there's they could introduce characters there that like wouldn't even show up before Batman was there because you know how some characters and villains show up because there's a Batman yeah they, they you know there are two great comics out there that I recommend to anybody that I'm not a huge fan of Frank Miller never have been never will be but you could either read year one or you could read uh, Snyder's year zero and at least with year zero it does kind of start Batman back up from the basics or even Earth One, which is another great story, but at least this way gives the characters a little bit more dignity. I think the problem with Gotham was I didn't know what making this a prequel at this point, because bringing characters that have nothing to do when you try to retcon them in and they're not that interesting. I'm sorry, but Mrs. Will Smith, whatever her character was supposed to be. Didn't work for me in the first season. Barely worked in the second. I don't think she was back after when she was with the doll man, whatever that crap was. But I just... I, prequels to me feel like you don't want to move forward for whatever reason. And that's what's pissing people off. And that's why people have finally rabbled around around prequels and reboots. Because it's like, you know, they're rebooting Batman for, what is it now, a fifth time? Because, I mean, we had 89, then we had Begins, and now we had, then we had, I guess, Zack Snyder. I think that was a reboot. I'm not even sure anymore. So, no, Matt Reeves, the Batman, because, uh, what was it? Uh, Affleck left, so now it's the fourth time we're rebooting Batman. I'm just like, I'm, uh, well, actually, no. Um, there were rumors that Batman Forever was supposed to reboot and pretend that Tim Burton's didn't exist. So, yeah, maybe this is the fifth time. Yeah. I can't even tell anymore. But but that's always been a matter of opinion because they kind of hinted with um, with Schumacher that I, you know, they, they do discuss, at least in the novelization, uh, Penguin's gang uh, is still being rounded up, and they do mention Joker, and he was supposed to come back in hallucination somehow. But um, I know they would eventually bring that in the animated series, and they kind of did that with. Um, oh, what did they do that with? With not Dark Knight, they did that with one of them where the Joker came back. Oh yeah, in the, in Arkham Knight. But past that, I don't really see the appeal anymore. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Robert Pattinson being cast as Batman? You know, I think people are going to have to give this guy a break because I know Twilight, look, I'm not into vampire movies. I, I'm not a fan of vampires in any case because vampires to me, unfortunately, what do they really do? They drink blood. They're allergic to sunlight. They can't cross water, running water. Uh, they're allergic to garlic. They have all these rules. Uh, they're movies and stories about vampires. I can give a take at this point, but they've never really fascinated me. Same thing with werewolves. They're not really, you know, you turn into a wolf and you kill and eat people. You know, nothing to it. 
So when Twilight came out, I, I knew what it was about. And I even remember going to a Walmart and the cashier was like, please buy this because there's a quota that we have to you know, sell a certain amount of DVDs. And I kept it wrapped and I threw it out. I tried watching a clip of Twilight. I couldn't do it. I was dared by one of my co-hosts to watch. I just couldn't do it. I did see Robert Patterson, though, in, um, what was it? Uh, the Harry Potter movie, um, Goblet of Fire. Nobody remembers he has that, you know, he, I think he's Cedric Diggory. Uh, Diggory, yeah, he's Cedric. Um, he's the one who gets accidentally killed by Voldemort when they're at the Triwizard Cup towards the end of the movie. And um, I liked him in that. I thought he was okay. I know he was in that September 11th movie where um, I, I, I think it was a romantic movie that unfortunately he's in a tower that uh, the, the plane says he dies before he can find true love or something. I don't remember what it was called, but I heard he was good in that. Um, I feel if he stays away from blockbusters i mean i look i saw him in the lighthouse i loved him in that i thought he was awesome in the lighthouse I, I you know he was he was phenomenal but now they decided to put him back in a big budget movie and i feel if you keep him away from these big budget movies he's okay there's going to be a lot of criticisms but it's another bat suit another redesign of the bat symbol i haven't really seen too much of the screen test i've seen the batmobile i've heard about the casting they're just like drawing straws now about, you know, you're going to be this character and you're going to be that ca- and, and And Hollywood is doing all this again. That's why I stick with the TV but and the comics. But I'll probably see it. I, I don't I, – I'm not guaranteeing an opening day. But look, Harley Quinn, that, that – the, the, well, Harley Quinn, the TV show, the animated series, I'm okay with. That, that to me is untouchable. But Harley Quinn, the movie, I'm not going to lie. I ended up sneaking into a theater to see that. I, I saw Sonic the Hedgehog. I had some time. And it was during the week. It was it was a dead day. And I said, you know what? I'm going to sneak into an auditorium because I'm not paying money to see Harley Quinn. And nobody was stopping me. I just – I walked and the theater was Empty. Empty. Sat where I wanted to, and I think all the way in the back, there was about five or six people that ended up showing up towards 10 minutes of the film. And when I turned around, like 20 minutes later, they were gone. That says a lot. So I don't know how I... The same thing with Justice League, and the same thing with Batman v Superman. So I don't know how I'm really going to feel about... I'm, I'm not enticed anymore. Adulting sucks. But I really, you know, I real I really don't have a, a dog in the fight anymore when it comes to a Batman or any. Well, actually, Aquaman surprised me and to a point, and Shazam surprised me to a point. But Wonder Woman crossed the finish line. I don't think Gal Gadot was that entertaining. She was okay to a point, but no, she's she's not. She's a lot of things, but Wonder Woman, she ain't. So I don't know what to expect for this Batman movie, but I'll probably wait a week for it to come out. I'll you know buy my ticket, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, and to clarify, no, I only snuck in to see Harley Quinn. The others I paid for because um, I couldn't sneak into those, you know. But Harley Quinn was just like, 
you know, dumb luck. It's just like I was leaving Sonic the Hedgehog and I saw the auditorium for Harley Quinn and I just decided to like peek my head into the theater and I didn't realize it was starting and, you know, nobody came in to stop me and said, what are you doing in here? So I was like, okay. And that was pretty much it. How's how's the Harley Quinn anime series been? See, that that's a show, if we had more time, I cannot shut up about. I love that series. Uh, It's... Another retelling of the character, but I think what I enjoy about it is the casting because she's not on the one hand side of a fist of um, yeah of a fist the way that she was in the animated series, and in the animated series I found her to be rather annoying. I know the origins. Paul Dini and Arlene Sorkin explained the character and why they created and everything. I've read Mad Love more times than I can count. I've read the early Harry Quinn comics. I read the new 52 Harry Quinn comics. Because in Bronze Age, Paul Dini wrote some Harley Quinn comics, which are pretty good, actually. Uh, they came out in 2000, so they, they are a must-read. You can get them in a trade paperback. You'll see with the um, uh, with Alex Ross with Harley and Joker uh, doing a dance. But when New 52 came out, they were also pretty good. And I've met... Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palante, which they're awesome. And I've said the same thing. I'm glad that, you know, Harley's not on the one hand side of fist fight, that she's her own person now. So the pilot, thankfully, instead of doing this arc of when she was going to become her own woman, she became that in the pilot. And by the third episode of the first season, she got a crew and she does go into the Justice, uh, Injustice, no, Legion of Doom. I'm sorry. She goes into Legion of Doom. Um, and she's her own person. She's her own boss. And I love the fact that she has a male crew, but she's the leader and they work for her. And and you have Clayface and you have King Shark, which I believe was a Flash villain, but he's awesome in this because he's also this computer tech guy. Uh, Clayface is pretty much her spy and, you know, he's a shapeshifter. And Dr. Psycho is a Wonder Woman villain that I was not familiar with. I guess he came out in the 70s or 80s. I'm, I'm not too familiar with Dr. Psycho, but he's also this this great foil. And, they, and they've brought in a character that Jimmy and Amanda created called Cyborg or Cyborgman, where he was a CA operative. Now he's just this retired uh, guy that, you know, with like the, he kind of looks like Carl Reiner. And he just uses his wheelchair as a weapon. So, and, and again, it's Poison Ivy and, and Harley, but they don't have that lesbian relationship, but it still works. And you brought in a character from the Silver Age, Kite Man, and it is Charlie Brown. I don't know how they got away with calling him Charlie Brown, but that's who it is. That's his name. And he uses kites as weapons, and he uses one as a hang glider. And somehow... He only had like two ep- two appearances in Silver Age, but somehow when um, Tom King wrote the War of Riddles and Jokes, Kite Man became a big thing again, and they decided to put him in the animated series, and he and, and Poison Ivy are now <laughs> engaged, which I think is amazing. So it, it, it really works. It's, it's, it's with Kaylee Kuko, who was Penny on... Um, Big Bang Theory, yeah. and it you know it almost plays out like Big Bang, but it's still okay because I wouldn't expect her to be Harley, but 
she works. I mean, she's funny, and the writing is a lot better. I think because television has more time to breathe than movies, but I'm watching Harley Quinn the movie where she's right after an egg sandwich, and the way she broke up with Joker, they don't explain how, or they just did. They broke up. That's that. That's pretty much it. And the pilot episode, they go into why, because Joker doesn't care about Harley, never has, never will. Mm. So, or at least their relationship, I don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it. Their relationship in this series is almost what they were trying to do for Suicide Squad, the movie, which is also something, yeah, I paid that ticket, and yeah, I tried to get out, and unfortunately two people had sandwiched me in, and I could not get out of my seat because, you know... They haven't stopped eating since they were zygotes, but um, I, I I wanted to get out of that auditorium towards God knows how long. But yeah, th- this one tells a much better story about their relationship, and it makes a little bit more sense. There are so many comics I can you know, again, but if you haven't seen the series, I don't want to give too much away because the series is kind of taking bits and pieces of you know nightfall and um mad love and uh, anything from the new 52 comics but i can give some recommendations later just not right now because again i don't know how much you've you know watched or read so yeah plus i don't want to give i don't want to give away the store but yeah i mean i will recommend something right now for you if, if you're really interested um anything new 52 I thought it was yeah. amazing. I thought I thought New Fifty Two had a great run. Anything that it was New Fifty Two, I would pick up. And if you can, if you have a DC Universe account, or if you want to go into Comicsology, uh, if you get into Legends of the Dark Knight, because it was a run of ninety four, and I had this comic, and they have it again through you know those sites. Um, there's a story called Going Sane. Where Joker thinks he's finally killed Batman. He's like, well, I've killed him. He really hasn't. But it's like, well, what do I do? I know I'm going to finally go sane. That's what he does. He he finds a plastic surgeon and he makes himself look. But the problem is he calls himself Joseph Kerr. Get it? So yeah. I'm not going to give away too much else. But it, it was a pretty good read. Um, do you ever watch the... It's like years ago, but the Birds Prey series on... WB, the Earth Perry series, Birds of Prey. Oh, Birds of Prey. Oh, I tried watching. You know, I watched the pilot and I watched it for about ten minutes. And I'm bad with pilots. I go to hell with with criticizing the pilots. And I know that it's a pilot, and and a lot's going to change, and blah blah blah. Even with the Seinfeld pilot, I mean, you know. The Seinfeld pilot, Elaine wasn't in there, and there was canned applause for Kramer and everything. I, I get that. But I watched the pilot for Birds of Prey, and I was like, no. Because I'm glad – apparently it was Joker that killed Catwoman, but Batman's going to leave Gotham over that? And I was like, no. And then I would try to go back and I found that it was on DVD because it had a cult following and it's on the DC universe and I've tried watching it. And Sloan Peterson as um, Harley Quinzel, God, you know, she's so much better. And, and she could have worked 
but it was going to take so long for it to turn into Harley Quinn, which never really happened because the show got canceled, that I just... I Everything was so over-the-top and hammy that I just... And I should like it because I love Batman 66, but Batman 66, it wasn't. And it was so much... It wasn't even girl power so much in the fact that it, it was a property because it was Warner Brothers and they knew the Iron was still have with Batman, but they didn't know what to do with it. You know, Batman 89 came out of nowhere, but it was mainly more Joker than Batman. Batman Returns became more Penguin than Batman. And then, you know, with, with Forever and Batman and Robin, they tried to make live action movies of the animated series, because that's what it was. I mean, you know, why, why else? Riddler, I can understand because people wanted Riddler, but they put in Two Face because of the, you know, the rebirth of the animated series, you know, bringing Two Face out of retirement because he wasn't that interesting until the animated series made him interesting again. And then ever since then, he kind of comes and goes, but it's because of the animated series that they put him in forever. As for Batman and Robin, well, they were they were killing the villains because they, you know, they killed Joker, they killed Penguin, they killed Riddler. No, no, I'm sorry, he went insane. His mind, his mind got fried. But they killed Two Face. So who do they have left? They brought in, you know, Poison Ivy and and Freeze. Yeah, and I, I try to forget about that. Yeah, the the refrigerator. Yeah, the yeah. the the bad pun guy that that needs diamonds to God. You know, I sat through that movie. I, I would wait years to tell this story, but I figure I'm going to save it because, yes, I, again, bought a ticket, but um, I have a very interesting story, but I don't want to repeat it. I want to save it uh, regarding Batman and Robin because it's, it's, mm. it's, it's actually a 20, what are we, in the year 2020 at this point. Um, I got a really, really interesting story regarding that film. But in the meantime, I I will say this though, I'll give a little taste because when Batman Forever came out, the Warner Brothers store was still new before it closed in 2001 after Time Warner just decided to say, you know, shut them all down. So when Batman the Animated Series was a big deal, you'd have Kevin Conroy and Arlene Sorkin and Paul Dini show up for autograph sessions. I lived in New York. There was a um, Warner Brothers store in Staten Island, and there was one in Manhattan. And the one in Manhattan was huge. You had a glass elevator. It looks like Superman was pushing you up to the fifth floor, and you'd watch a clip of a you know Bugs Bunny cartoon. And that's where the voice actors would be, you know, even for Animaniacs, and you'd get autographs, and that was great. And when Batman Forever came out, there was this huge thing. You could have, you know, Riddler's question mark, and you could... It was this hologram effect that you could actually, you know, use your body to morph around within everything and that all this merchandise. But Batman and Robin comes out. I think the Warner Brothers store sold those um, polar bear slippers. And I think they sold um, melted ice, which is just pretty much bottled water. I think they had an action figure here or there. I don't remember Mr. Freeze action figure. I don't remember how many toys there were for, for uh, Batman and Robin. And the last thing I remember was that god-awful PlayStation game. Yeah. But... Awesome. Past that, I don't... 
and my story that I will tell one day. I want an audience for that one, but it's a good one. But past all of that, I, I, and Batman Begins, I didn't bother going to. I ended up renting that one. But Dark Knight came out. I was in theaters and probably saw that more times than I could count. Rises, I had no dog in the fight because I really was not interested in Bane at all for a while. I mean, I loved Nightfall, but I was like, I don't know how they would do Bane justice. And they shoved a lot into Dark Knight Rises. I, I only went because, unfortunately, of the shooting that happened in Colorado. And I decided to say, okay, I'm going to go to Colorado. The, you know, I'm not Colorado. I'm going to go to the movie theater show that I'm not afraid of the shootings. And I went, and I was, but I really, that story of Dark Knight Rises, yeah, they crammed too much in. That was just like a, a fluster of a movie. So I'm not a fan of that one. But that's another story for another time. Uh, so oh, I did some research and I found some cryptids in New Hampshire. Um, I'm worried about it and. Let me know what you think. I mean, questions or anything. Well, I don't know how many cryptics are in New Hampshire. I know the only ones that I knew of at the time, I guess, were again Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, Jersey Devil. Yeah. What is in New Hampshire? Um, there's these things called devil monkeys. Oh, the devil monkeys. You know, I actually have heard of the I didn't know they were in New Hampshire, though. Um, what's here about them? I've heard different things about the devil monkeys. Um, one of the things that I've heard is that they're supposed to be almost like chimpanzees. And if you're at a road late at night, it's almost like the devil hounds that are out route 66 out in, in Arizona that they'll rip up your tires and they'll break through and they'll carry you away into the cornfields. Um, it, it seems to be any of these devil demon things that they're just like either – if you invade the territory, they'll attack you, possibly kill you, or just drag you away to to the portals of hell. But it seems to be in my travels, a lot of these demons all have the same intentions. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure there's like a portal everywhere. Hello. We all know real life can suck sometimes, and your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on Zoom last week doesn't help any. That's why reluctantly codependent sisters, the Shira and Rashalia, keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast, Legendary Africa. Every Monday and Friday, we take you on a journey of mythical lands, magical objects, and monstrous creatures, both ancient and modern. Find Legendary Africa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you feed your ears. And remember, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Hello. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. So, at least that's what I've heard. Yeah. This thing called the uh, the glowing thing, a Moor Lake. You ever been to? Was it, you ever been there to Moor Lake? Moor Lake. Yeah. No, haven't been there yet. Uh, says the Connecticut River is the largest river in New England. It meters its way through the hills and forests in northern New England, between Vermont and New Hampshire, and discharges itself in Long Island Sound. The Leviathan consumes over 11 
5,263 square miles of the Northeast, traced by many cities and small towns, it's an icon of New England lifestyle. Similarly beautiful and peaceful by day, its undulating coils hide many stories and secrets along its path to the Devil's Bell, one of its mysterious glowing thing that lurks in the waters. In 1956, a portion of the Connecticut River was dammed up for the purpose of hydroelectric power production. Though formerly named as Samuel Moore Reservoir, the resident of Linton, New Hampshire, referred to it as Moore Lake. It became a staple for summer fun for the people of Linton, but on the evening of May 20th, 1968, few would find something other than fun at Moore Lake. Around 3 a.m. Monday morning, which had been a quiet evening for a night officer of the Linton Police Department, came to a sudden end when three seemingly terrified youths stormed into the station. They were so delirious, Officer Miller only heard red glow on the water and thing and anxious chatter. The one thing that Officer Miller didn't understand was that whatever it was three saw had terrorized them. Richard, his wife, Cindy, and Michael were now feeling safe in the company of the officer. Soon they were relaxed enough to begin to clearly tell their story. That evening, the three of them had decided to go fishing for horned pout at Samuel Seymour Lake. He decided on a remote spot west of Route 135. After negotiating two miles of winding dirt road, they found themselves at a picnic area with a boat launched along the east side of the lake around 1 a.m. The first hour was uneventful, though they had gotten a nibble, they were still enjoying the peaceful night. Around 2 a.m., Mike, Michael suddenly noticed a strange red glow in the water. It was adjacent to a rock ledge about a quarter of a mile from the location. So odd, they had no reason to be concerned and soon forgot about it. That's an, that is, until they noticed how unusually quiet it had become. No frost cro croaking, no animals moving around in the woods. Richard explained, no night noises at all. So quiet, they all could hear the plop of their lures and the gurgling they made as they reeled them in. Only they noticed the red glow had now moved away from the ledge and was now on the lake in front of them. Look at that, Richard shouted. As he noticed, it was only 30 feet from the dock. Richard described it as a widest mound, about two feet wide, extending a foot above the surface. Just above the water line were what appeared to be two red glowing eyes. What was even more frightening was that behind the mound was what appeared to be an even larger shape lurking in the shadows. Michael would later describe it as having the head of an alligator submerged up to its eyes. Quickly, Cindy and Michael scrambled from the dock and onto the shore. Richard, still on the dock, watched his object lay motionless in the water in front of him. Curious as to what it was, Richard tossed his line onto it. As he tossed, began to reel it back in, suddenly the creature began to charge towards the dock. Dick, it's coming at you, Cindy shouted. Cindy and Michael heard what sounded like a bubbling noise as it raced towards them. Three of them darted for the car and drove off. As they looked back, they could see the red glow filling the water around the dock. Next day, Linton Police Chief um, McLeanier set officers to the lake to investigate the incident further. What was found was hornet pounce strewn all around the shore near the dock. All the remains of the fish were the heads, spines, and tails. It was all as if they were consumed by something with a very large appetite. Though no one was even quite sure what was those three had encountered that evening. One thing they were sure of it was that they saw something that had frightened them. Buckles that live close to the lake reported later sightings of an old frog red glowing. 
many rumors about other science and strange events at more like continued though there were no close encounters like that of richard mike and cindy to this day what was seen still remains a mystery however has been no signs of the glowing thing in many years on many occasions and even angler notices a strange calm fall upon the lake some say they get an eerie sensation of being watched by someone or something well again you know i i've read a lot of cases about grow, uh, glowing eyes in water and unfortunately it sometimes turns out that if you have the moonlight hitting the light of the lake at night you know that's pretty much it. It, it it's just an optical illusion unfortunately it could have just very well been an alligator um but again, yeah i've i've never again i've never been to new england or i i passed by but i've never really been there been there so to me when i see these things about look living in florida get a lot of gators and there are times that i'll see them in the sewer and there are white eyes because it's just an optical illusion and just and you hear the hissing snarling and these things are big not to mention the fact that you've seen that there are different variations of gators now what they look like how big they can get so i would go with just unfortunately being a gator be disappointed i know but i'm not trying to be a skeptic or anything please don't get me wrong but sometimes i just feel that these are you know gators that somehow get lost from one part of you know the lake or river from one area to another or they go they literally do crawl through the sewers so they just get lost and they ended up god knows where so it's happened so that's pretty much it the part uh the part with the the fishes being like on the beat on the side of the lake so weird though or well, gator. well you know sometimes they here's the thing though is that I think people watch too many horror movies, you know? Yeah. It's not it's not like they have a tapeworm or, or they're a diabetic or anything, you know? They'll yeah. eat as much as they want to, and whatever they don't eat, they'll just kill for hunting or sport or whatever, and then just, like, they'll toss it aside. So, you know, they're not as hungry as you think. If anything, if the attack is mainly for territorial reasons, but they're not, like, every five minutes, munch, munch, got to have something. So the fish could be a number of things. Um, something called from an article called "The Wood Devils of Coos County." Wood devils. A lot of devils around here. Yeah, there's devils. Oh, it's crazy. Look at devils. Uh, when you're in the woods, do you ever get the feeling that something's watching you? Well, maybe something is. People see a lot of things in the forest around Pittsburgh, New Hampshire: moose, bear, fox, and occasionally things they can't explain. One of these mysteries. Mysterious things some people have reported seeing the Coos County is what is known as a wood devil. According to eyewitness reports, these wood devils stand more than seven feet tall, covered in grayish hair or fur. They're known for their sleek, thin build. They walk on two feet, much like a human, and can move with surprising speed. They use their tails, thin build to hide between trees, so good at blending in with their surroundings that you'll nearly walk into one before you saw it. These wood devils are said to shy away from human contact for the remote woods of northern New Hampshire near the Canadian border. 
Some people have suggested that these wood devils might actually be a Sasquatch, a Sasquatch or Bigfoot. However, their sleek build has others thinking it might be something else entirely. Old timers say these creatures were much more common in the area in the early 1900s, but some signs continue to be reported nowadays. A man reported seeing one uh, in early November 2004 while deer hunting with his grandfather. Both men reportedly saw a creature, which he said was tall, alarm, and gave a high-pitched yell. Another incident in 2000, husband and wife were taking a sunrise hike when a tall, hairy, barefooted creature on two legs crossed the trail in front of them. Maybe there's nothing to these reports other than people misidentifying an animal or the eyes playing tricks on them. Or maybe, just maybe, there's something to them. Either way, next time you're out in the woods, pay attention to your surroundings. You might discover that you're not alone. You know, I love the fact, though, that a number of these sightings always seem to be in Oregon going towards the Canadian border. You know, I when I went to upstate, there's the Adirondacks, and yeah, it, it goes from New York all the way to the Great White North. Um, I don't, you know... The woods are interesting. I don't know what's out there. It's kind of like the ocean. We don't know what's really in the ocean. We don't really know what's out in the woods. I, I, I've heard of different animals that can walk on two legs and very well could be, unfortunately, a, a bear or, mm. you know. But on the other hand, it, it would be kind of disappointing for storytelling if there wasn't Sasquatch. I, I, I really would like to believe that it exists, but it always seems to be you get the same footage of what it might be and, and it runs away very quickly. I, I can't imagine something that's 300 pounds worth of muscle, whatever. It's just able to run away that quickly and be that, um, subtle about it. And that, you know, but that's just me. Yeah. But I, again, who am I to say, we don't know what's in the oceans and we don't know what's in the woods. We, we'd have to clear everything to find out what's really there. And I'm sure one day we will just not right now, but, um, I got one for you because this is something that has been talked about since 1997 as well. The bloop. Bloop? Yeah. The bloop. Yes. The bloop is supposedly in 1997. Um, you had scientists that heard this bloop noise and it wasn't oh, wow. a whale, but it was something in the ocean and they don't know what it is. And I mean, some think that it was just um, a glacier that was breaking off a piece and fell in the water, but they're not too sure. And there have always been these um, theories that there's some sort of animal in the ocean somewhere that's bigger than a whale, yeah. bigger than the Loch Ness Monster, but that, that, that's somehow like deep in the bowels of the ocean, like really deep. Possible. Possible. Oh, I've been down there. I wasn't that. Uh, I think they talked about that on the that mermaid series they did on Animal Planet like years ago, like a couple years ago. I think they did, but uh, Bloop hasn't really been talked about too much. It kind of came and went, unfortunately. Uh oh. From the National Ocean Service, the thing is, ice breaking. Well, they claim that's an ice quake, but yeah, 
if you go a little bit deeper into it, they think that uh, it was a giant sea animal. Hopefully they can study it more. And or they can more find more. it. Yeah. It got cold. It was like it's cold like Friday here. Yeah, well, here I think it was in the seventies. That's what we call winter in Florida. Yeah, I think it got down to like twenties. Twenties. Here it's like rain, cold. It's awful. Uh, I went to work one time, and I got drenched. I didn't bring an umbrella. It was nice out. By the time I got to work, it was pouring rain. Yeah, I've had that. I had that problem in Florida. Just rain here and there. Um. So, uh, how about your Facebook group? Oh, the fa- well, the Facebook group is pretty much a podcasters cafe that I set up that anybody yeah. has a podcast, they're more than welcome to join. Uh, Hanukkah Queen was also another one that I had created that I was just putting in these horror theme related topics. But anybody that wants to advertise a post, a podcast or anything, cryptozoology, they're more than welcome to put that up as well. So the podcasters cafe and the uh, Hanukkah Queen, anything that you need to put up to advertise yourself or blog uh, pretty much about anything at this point. It's more than open. You can find it at Facebook. Great. Awesome. Yeah, uh, your posts are awesome. I love your posts about like retro games and stuff. Yes, I've actually, because of the quarantine, I dusted off. I pretty much had a number of consoles over the years from Atari to Nintendo to PlayStation. Sadly, my PlayStation 4 died and to get it repaired at this point because the quarantine is taking forever so I just dusted off which I always felt was my favorite console anyway the Super Nintendo so I've just been playing old school games I have my Nintendo I have my Super Nintendo never got rid of them I just uh, well actually I did but over the years between 2010 2015 I went to a couple of uh, video game conventions in Pennsylvania uh, too many games and RetroCon and I picked up some cartridges, so I just... And then I found a, a PlayStation, I was able to get a modern one to play the European games and the Japanese games. So, I've been playing some old-school games up until, um, from, you know, Nintendo to PlayStation. And vlogged about them for a while, but I found a lot of them. Some I didn't even know I had. And I kind of forgot, just like, took it out of a box and... I get like a slew of games like under five bucks, which is amazing. So, yeah. Great deal. You ever play um, Blaster Master? Yeah, I play Blaster Master. Not a fan of it, though, because that was one of those games that you had to stay in the tank. And if you didn't, you would, uh, the tank would be destroyed. And then you were just out of the tank until you would get one hit and you were dead. So that was always a frustrating game for me as a kid. Still have it somewhere. I know that. I pretty much, like I said, if 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 I didn't have it, 
or if I had and I sold it, I got these games at a convention. So I, you know, put them back into the... And, and what I did was I cataloged them through my emulators because hooking up the old school consoles onto an HDTV is a pain. You could do it, but it's a real pain. And even getting those, um, that NES Classic and that Super NES Classic and that Genesis Classic and all that, they don't have all the games that I had. So I just pretty much put away the consoles again, but went through the games that I had and just was able to catalog through my emulators. It just made things a lot easier for me. So this way, you know, because I, I feel if I if I hooked up all my consoles again and everything, I'd probably start an electrical fire. I know that I there's that RetroCon system out there, but that was like, you know, yeah. that was also a pain, so. Yeah, those coax cables can be a pain to hook up these new TVs now. Yeah. Did you ever play the American Gladiator NES game? No. No. I didn't even know they had an American Gladiator uh, Nintendo game. It's not on his friends, but it's like, it's like a two-player game. But- yeah, I, I had no... I watched it as a kid, but... Uh, and I know they had that uh, that spinoff Knights and Warriors or something, but yeah, no, no, I had no idea they, they ever made that into a Nintendo. I, I couldn't even imagine how they make that into a Nintendo game. Like different events, like they pretty much like the show, I think like different events. Do they have the obstacle course? Yeah. I can only imagine how they would do that for a Nintendo game, but then again, yeah, they took a lot of game shows and made them a Nintendo game, like, yeah. I don't think it's as fun though. Um, I just beat um, God of War this past, this past week. Well, yeah, God of War. I I enjoyed up until the, uh, the PlayStation Four, where again it was too, too many cinematics and not enough game. Probably the best one was yeah. the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you? Any plans? Doing an event or something? Well, with the virus, what am I going to do? And, you know, another excuse not to go to Comic-Con this year. One day I'll get to go to San Diego Comic-Con. But they're doing an at-home virtual thing, whatever the hell that is. And New York Comic-Con, you know, because it became so corporate. I I mean, not that there aren't conventions around here in Florida. I mean, there's Supercon and all that, but... Now, the problem is, is that I get older. It's nothing, not that I don't mind going, but I'm tired of paying $50 to shake somebody's hand or get somebody's picture. It's kind of becoming redundant for that. I go to the conventions at some point because there were used video games that I couldn't find anywhere else, but I pretty much got my fill. Movies at this point, um, you know, Batman 66 is now legal so it was, you know, they used to have these uh, booths. So like, if you couldn't find something, you know, we, we got it off the internet and we'll sell it to you. But I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I, I have Batman 66. Song of the South I got legally because they were selling it in Japan and England legally somehow. So I was able to get that. And it was on YouTube for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean... The problem with the shirts is that they make them way too small and they shrink very quickly. But I mean, 
I would go to a convention right now, but by myself. I mean, there's really nothing to entice me to go. Not that it would matter anyway, because I said the virus pretty much knocked out everything. Yeah. Are Are you promoting anything? Are you like um? Are you working on anything right now? You know, I'm finishing up my nursing uh, advanced degree. So awesome. because of the virus, um, everything got pushed back until December. I was hoping for August, but now everything got pushed back until December of 2020. So that's going to kind of be my uh, Christmas Hanukkah present to get that advanced degree. In the meantime, I put everything on hold until I'm done. And then 2021, um, I've talked to my friends about rebooting Hanukkah Queen for the 25th time. Everything, you know, things just happen. Life happens. You yeah. know, I was very happy with my podcast. People, some listened to it, some didn't. Got to interview some people, you know, some famous, some not. It wasn't too terrible. But things just happen. You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, if your podcast doesn't pick up like gangbusters, you have to say it's time. You know, you do it with your friends. You don't do it for the money, which is great. But if you don't have an audience, and I always said if I had one person listening, I'd continue to do it. But I never quite tell if it's bots that are telling me I have 2,000 downloads or what. So if I do do it again, I'll probably through this, through StreamYard and see what happens and do it through. But YouTube has become with fair use and everything where you have to mind your P's and Q's and with kids. I don't even – YouTube, don't even get me started with that either. That, that That's going to be another whole rant about the fair use and – Something we should have done in 1998 and then we're doing now or 2000, whatever it was. So, I mean, look, YouTube used to be you you put up a 10-minute video and now you can create your own series and everybody's got a series. And everybody put, you know, film critics out of business because of YouTube. But now it's becoming like you have to be very careful what you do on YouTube or we'll take you off and, Mm. you know, get paid. I mean, people were making a life out of staying at home and making YouTube videos, which was amazing. But I, I I don't I don't know how what the rules are anymore or anything. So I don't you know what if I do it it'll be a nice little hobby. But I'm not planning on doing anything else. I'm just guesting for now when I have time. Yeah. Uh, because the good thing is the program has shifted to online because of the virus. So everything is online at this point, and everything will probably be phase four, which will be opened up until maybe after the summer plus the fact we got the flu virus coming through and i'm in you know old people central so i i, I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring I'm, I'm planning on if i do anything major major again with my podcast at this point it's 2021 but if you need me to guest or anything yeah i'm there which is fine and that's you know that 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 that's you know I've been guesting on pop culture cosmos I guessed here I guessed wherever anybody needs me you know it, it's probably for the best too because a lot of people that I knew had podcasts and they decided that it just became too big for them and they weren't getting the the subscribers or the people and they decided to help other people with their shows and I'm, I'm okay with that I have no regrets with what I did and you know like I said I, I made a lot of good friends and. Unfortunately, I'm, you know, I don't have the pocket, but I have fr- my friends. And that, that's a fortunately, not an unfortunately. You know, the unfortunately, I don't have the show anymore, but I got to stay in contact with these people, which is great. And unfortunately, 
because of personal things, we can't always get together and podcast. We'd like to do it. It's not in the cards, but I stay in contact with them for life. And, you know, that's better than nothing. Awesome. Well, where can people find you at? Well, that's, it's also cryptic. You know, I, I mean, if you find me on Facebook and see Hunter Queen or Hunter Gowcast, I'm there. Uh, in, in, in the Facebook podcast groups, you know, if you're looking for a guest to talk about pop culture or whatever, and, and if it interests me, if you need me, I'm there. You know, I, I try not to shoehorn myself into one topic, but if you need me, you know, just... Hmm. I, I may be a hard person to find, but once I get an instant message or something through, you know, Facebook, or you can, you know, my email at uh, hunnickfeedback at gmail.com you know, I'll be around. Awesome. Well, thank you for so much for news. For a good, it's like an hour. Yeah. Well, I know that if you need me again, I really, really, because on this podcast, you did mention something about um, any paranormal experiences. Next time, I'm saving this one as a good one too. Uh, my Fort Mifflin story, because Fort Mifflin mm-hmm. is a famous fort that's, kind of on the border of Philadelphia. It's not really, it's in Pennsylvania, but it's not, you have to cross the bridge again to Philadelphia, but it's, you know, on that area. Uh, the fort was known for, um, you know, civil, um, it's known for civil war. And it's also one of the most haunted sites in America. And it's really, really creepy during the day. They did have, um, Overnight paranormal investigations, but unfortunately, by the time I was, you had to be on a list because they were only taking a certain amount of people at a time. Like everybody wanted to do this, and they were taking small amounts. So by the time I was finally going to be able to get on that list, I had left, and I'm down in Florida. But I plan one day, if I have a vacation, to see if I can get back there again to do the overnight. Uh, yeah, that's the next thing I want to talk about because that that's like an hour story in itself, and that's a good one. Um. Look really forward to hearing it next time you're yeah, on. No problem. Thank you so much for being on. No um, thank you. This has been um, Monster Legends Podcast. Monster Legends of New Hampshire with Honic Outcast. Have a great day and great week, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or find more information about Monster Legend Podcast, go to monsterlegendpodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monsterlegendpodcast. There you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on, which you can describe, subscribe to. You also can email me with questions that will be answered on the show. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.